Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey. Hello. How are you doing? Really good today. Yes, I'm very happy. Yeah? Are you very wearing happy. some sort of Nirvana t-shirt? I'm wearing... Actually, it's funny. You haven't done this on purpose, but actually someone um, from Dead Former MC, um, uh, com- uh, goodness me, contacted us or me, I can't remember, um, and was like, oh, I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, I do t-shirts and stuff. I'd like to uh, send you some free stuff. And it was very, very kind of him. So this is a little pl- shout out to him, which we weren't planning to do. But yes, I am. I'm wearing a Nirvana Dead Format MC t-shirt. Can you see it there? Obviously, this is this is not for the uh, <laughs> people listening. Sorry, guys. But it's very nice. Do you like it, Steve? Mm. I do like Give it. Give us yeah, a little description for the people. It's basically, it's the Nevermind album cover, but it's a skeleton. Yeah, it's instead got a parental a advisory sticker over the wee wee as well, hasn't it? The little Willie. and that's and and the thing is, is, is um, as far as I'm aware, skeletons don't have penises, so, so uh, is that uh, necessary? There's the one flaw in the t-shirt, <laughs> but other than that, dead format are great. So go and check them mm. out. Based in Croydon, um, very cool. There you go. Uh, thanks very much if you're a patron. If you're listening to this on Patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast, which I presume you should be by this point, eh? Uh, thanks very much for um, contributing to our Patreon page we are very very thankful I should say by the way can you hear anything else Renfrey because we recorded this early in the morning Mm. Emily's making um, making lovely scrambled egg and salmon breakfast that's that's give you some sort of idea of uh, yeah yeah, not in. We're not. I'm not in a diner. Um, I thought you said in 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 honor of the Deftones, we're um, having salmon and scrambled egg. Um, There's a little clitter but, clatter, but it adds to the ambiance. I feel so. It's fine. Yeah, I basically said it's fine. You can have your breakfast because what kind of a scumbag would I be to be like, no, no, you must wait an hour. Um, I haven't even said who we. Well, I've just said who we're covering. Deftones. Oh, this is the Rioters review. Let me do the proper thing properly. Um, yeah, if you give us a small amount of money and you get and you enjoy these, thank you so much for your contribution. Why not dip yourself up to the um, five dollar a month tier so you can get our classic albums podcast? If you haven't done that, there's a whole bunch of great classic album podcasts that are available now. If you're listening to this in the future, well, it's been a long time since we recorded this. If you are listening to this when it goes out free, a really, really long time, and you've probably missed out on all that great dead format merch. You yeah. idiot. So yeah. you should probably have signed up. It feels like a good time now to sign up. Um, anyway, today we are talking about Deftones, collectively one of our favourite bands. Um, Scott Baird. Scott, thank you so much for your suggestion. Scott has suggested Gore by Deftones, the recent, the most recent Deft. I was going to say the most recent Deftones album that both of us have heard, but <laughs> that's not true of me, Renfrey. Oh, um, are you allowed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> shit uh maybe no Do <laughs> potentially I, that? <laughs> I don't know um, we'll find out when it goes we'll out find out um i was thinking oh this will be released in the future and it's all fine but uh, no it's, uh, we're releasing this tomorrow mate <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> silly me um anyway we're talking about the eighth studio album by deftones um Apparently they've got a new one coming out soon. I've heard, I've uh, heard, I've heard, yeah, but um, I've heard rumour, I've heard don't tell. don't know anything about it. I certainly don't know the um, title or anything. Ah, oh, come on. Um, so, Gore, 8th of April, 2016. Thank you, Scott, for a fantastic suggestion. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, 
as I'm sure most of you will know, we both really, really love Deftones and we yes. will be doing a significantly big classic album series podcast on an earlier part of their career at yes. some point yes, in absolutely. the future. Yep. But um, that is probably some way away. So we thought, why not uh, get into it now with this album and give you a little taster for what what is going to happen on that classic album series? Because ultimately, I am sort of of the opinion, and I think you are too, that Deftones don't, haven't ever done anything wrong. Uh, have they ever done anything? anything wrong hmm. well we're all flawed as human beings i'm sure they've done something wrong <laughs> in their personal lives <laughs> but i don't think they have <laughs> i don't think they i think they're they're saints um <sighs> certainly it is a struggle i mean certainly if we're talking about albums um you know i'm a massive massive i mean little peek behind the curtain at the moment and i'm not sure whether to change this or not because i think the classic albums uh has taken a little bit of a detour from from what what i was thinking of when i decided to make this my choice for deftones but at the moment my choice for deftones yours is yours is uh you don't mind me saying this do you i don't mind you saying it at all yours is uh around the fur which is kind of like yeah mm -hmm. fair enough a lot of people are going to be like yeah fair play mine is saturday night wrist which will mm -hmm. raise many an eyebrow, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, for me, it's it's really I wanted to choose Saturday Night Wrist because it's a period that isn't talked about all that much. And I also think Saturday Night Wrist is a hugely underrated record. Um, I, I definitely think Saturday Night Wrist is a hugely underrated record. Mm, mm. Uh, would I call it, would I put it in the pantheon of classic Deftones mm. records? That's the if difficult one. If, yeah. if there's one that I wouldn't, uh, that would probably be the one because I think is there are just there's there's quite a few flaws to it. But when it's good, oh my god, it's absolutely stunning. I think. I think my only, I mean, this feels like a conversation we should have off mic. But the only, the, my only argument to that would, would be <laughs> like a few of these conversations we've had so far <laughs> in this particular podcast. But, the, but um, but I would also say the same of Use Your Illusion too. Uh, massively flawed. I mean, obviously that was the first one we did. You know, Use Your Illusion mm. Two has loads of flaws in it, but but mm. um, I, I hope I argued it quite well. Um, so I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, I might change that because because frankly, I feel like I could do any Deftones record on classic albums. Yeah, That's I how do. How much I fucking love them. Me you too. I, I I really do. And I would I would put this one in there with it. To be honest, I yeah. think this is. <sighs> you know a great record we'll probably get in you know we'll get into it more we should um sort of start by saying this album came out i think the reason why i don't think about this album maybe so much is do you know what came out the same day as this black peak statue black peaks yeah same day good day wasn't it and yeah <laughs> and i yeah. remember getting gore and listening to it and being like oh my god it's amazing and then probably about a week later getting the promo for Black Peaks and being like, oh, and it was, there's, there's a book um, that I've spoken about a few times called, I was a, a teenage, a teenage headbangers journey or something. I can't, I can't remember the name of the fucking book, but anyway, it's about this guy who gets into metal through kind of Iron Maiden and stuff in the, in the uh, motorhead in the early eighties and his journey as a sort of teenage metal fan in the eighties. Mm. And it culminates with him buying 
um, Appetite for Destruction and whatever, was it Pump, the Aerosmith album that came out um, on the same day as Appetite for Destruction? In 1987? I thought I thought Pump was 89, but I'm not a massive Aerosmith Maybe, fan, yeah. so I so might be wrong. Let me just double check it for... Because um, I said it before, it's oh, it was Permanent Vacation. Yeah, sorry. permanent. So he bought Permanent Vacation, and he was all excited about getting Permanent Vacation, which, to be fair, looking at the track listing, it's actually got some fucking great songs on it. Ragdoll, Dude Looks Like a Lady, um, uh, the title track. Yeah, it's it's got some really good songs on it. And um, then he said he listened to this brand new band afterwards and was just like, oh, fuck, well, I'm just not going to listen to that Aerosmith album anymore. Mm. And whilst I don't feel that strongly mm. about Black Peaks versus Gore um, in that way, there was a touch of me being so, so, so obsessed with statues and how brilliant it was that I sort of... I didn't bring Gore out. I didn't listen to Gore as much as like normally when a new Deftones record comes out, it's like four spins a day. Oh my God. Oh my mm -hmm, God. Mm -hmm, I didn't, I probably didn't get that so much with Gore just because of what it came out alongside. Um, it was a different, ex I mean, I'm sorry to be, you know, the music journalist cunt guy. Um, it was a slightly different experience for me because um, I actually had a version of statues for nine months before it came out so <laughs> um because uh i'm good buddies with those guys um so uh yeah i i actually had a version of that record for ages um but so actually for me gore was um yeah i was listening to it constantly uh and i couldn't stop listening to it when it came out i uh I just, I just, I mean, I remember using up, we, we you know, when you get those massive, massive um, streams, uh, it, when you get those massive, massive albums, you get them as a stream rather than as a download. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember like using up my data basically because I couldn't help but listen to it like out, out and about as well. And like having to pay extortionate amounts of money uh, just to listen to it. But I remember thinking, well, that's fine because I'm getting to listen to, <laughs> to the new Deftones record. Um, and I absolutely... Yeah, I, I absolutely rinsed it, this record. Um, it ended up, I was trying to find my albums of the year 2016. I couldn't bloody find it. Um, mm. But it end, I'm 90% sure that it ended up top five on my albums of the year 2016. And I'm sure it was a similar story for you. Uh, 2016 was uh, that absolutely exceptional year. It was a cracking year. Where where we had Black Peaks and Stage 4 by Touche Moore and Oathbreakers Raya and All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us by Architects and Disassociation by the Dillinger Escape Plan and Milk Tea's album came out that year as well, which I fucking absolutely loved. And I think there were a couple of others. Uh, but yeah, but so Gore would have been, I think Gore was top 10. Okay. But it definitely wasn't top five. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Mm. I think if memory recall, if memories correct i think it was number five for me or something like that and certainly half of those albums you named i couldn't give a toss about uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i i i think 2016 is the best out the best year of that decade personally mm, mm. uh i'd give it to 2012 but it is a damn good year 2016 2012 what happened in 2012 Baroness, yellow and green Baroness. Uh, Epic Cloud by Devon Townsend, Weather Systems mm. by Anathema. But um, no, 2012 was pretty fucking great as well. 
maybe we should do that one day. Hmm. 2012 versus 2016, I mean. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like, do what? <laughs> Just go back to 2012. <laughs> oh, love to go back to love to go back to 2012. Um, the Olympics, wasn't it? The Olympics, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, happy think, days. Definitely uh, things seem simpler in 2012 than they do in 2020. Oh, they <laughs> certainly say. did. Um, uh, probably true of 2016 as well. Not that I can really remember. So I think that's when things started going to shit, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> but musically, it was very, very good. Now... Um, four years between albums like it doesn't i mean it's we're getting it it's four years between albums again uh now but i guess it felt like a long time between koino yokan and gore i thought maybe that was just from my personal experience of whatever but it felt like maybe it's because chino did so much stuff because he did crosses and he did palms um and it felt like he was, and it wasn't he teasing that he was going to be doing a some sort of other solo album in that well, period as well. Uh, the sword aid thing's been going on for ages, although I can't remember if it was going back to then. I mean, I I think there's a simple reason why it felt like a long time. It's because um, at that point, bar the um, uh, the time between Saturday Night Wrist and Diamond Dies. Um, four years is the longest Deftones had gone without releasing a record. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously between Saturday Night Wrist and Diamond Eyes, there was the tragedy of Che uh, passing yeah. away. So that that was, you know, from an outsider perspective, it was like, well, okay, they're not going to be mm-hmm. in a... I mean, there was a question, if you recall, at the time as to whether if Deftones be... would even continue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there wasn't this kind of expectation. And I suppose people... <laughs> after Saturday Night Wrist for some reason because it's a fucking cracking record people weren't as excited about I mean you know around um, self-titled and Saturday Night Wrist um, Deftones uh, stock had gone down massively if you recall Mm -hmm. you know so Mm. there wasn't the excitement there for it and then Diamond Eyes um, brought it back in a massive massive way and deservedly so as well I mean Diamond Eyes is phenomenal Um, Mm. But yes, I think that's why it felt like a long time. I think post Koino Yakan is the point where Deftones got to the, the they very much got to the point where they could go right. We really can take our time now, and we are we are a band now who can wait four years, and that's fine. I mean, I think from now on we're going. It's going to be every four years or so that mm. we get a Deftones record these days. Yeah, which is uh, fine. Well, I mean. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that if yep. they continue to be of the quality that they have been. Exactly. And 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 actually as well, I think Deftones their profile they they kind of came back from the brink on Diamond Eyes and it was this rebirth. And I think Koino Yokan, although I mean we'll probably talk about not just the differences between Gore and Koino Yokan, but the similarities between uh, Gore and Koino Yokan that people don't really seem to talk about that much because Koino Yokan was seen as a, you know, a continuation of the the great form that they were on post Diamond Eyes, and it kind of pushed them from. You know, I think I remember back to the the sort of the the end of the Saturday Night Wrist touring cycle when they did a sort of maybe two thirds full Brixton Academy one mm. night at Brixton Academy. I saw which them at Bristol. Du- I saw them at Bristol Academy on that on that tour, um, and I I believe it was sold out. But Bristol Academy, just to give you an idea, is Oh, 1500 capacity. I mean, it's small, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah, sorry. Karen. Yeah. And, um, you know, then we got uh, 
Diamond Eyes, which sort of, you know, they then were able to do a sort of sold out night at Brixton Academy, ditto with Koino Yokan. In fact, I think before this record came out, they were going to be playing Wembley Arena at the sort of end of the Koino Yokan tour, because I think Architects were supporting them at Wembley Arena, and that got cancelled due to, I believe, it was due to the um, the Bataclan. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm. I remember it was with Architects, and then when they rescheduled, it was with Black Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Which I was happy about, but obviously yeah. most people so, went. <laughs> yeah. So I think because, you know, Gore was due to, it was kind of, there was a sort of soft um, release date for sort of September 2015, which then got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and ended up coming out in April. And that Wembley show got cancelled. And yeah, as you rightly say, once they rescheduled, the uh, both Black Peaks and Deftones had albums, had new albums out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although actually, and- I, I interviewed Chino around this time. I'm, I, I know you haven't specifically said this, but um, the reason for the delay... Um, according to Chino, when I talked to him in uh, early 2016, was due to them. They actually uh, gave this record to a bunch of different mixes. They wanted to get a bunch of different mixes for it to just just to see how they would sound. And they ended up going with Matt Hyde, wasn't it? In the end, Matt Hyde. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the he's the producer. Yeah. Um, but I, I just I, I I know you didn't specifically say it there, but I didn't want people to think that the reason the record was delayed was Bataclan reasons or anything like that. It was actually. Oh no 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 no. Yeah, due to due no. to uh, them just wanting to to get different mixes from different people. Basically, mm. uh, Matt Hyde was an engineer. Uh, engineer. Engineer. Yeah. <laughs> We, we are an recording engi- this an early, engin- guys. Yeah. yeah, an engineer <laughs> on Koino Yokan. Um, yes. Prior to that, he's got some some decent enough credits, but he doesn't have a massive amount of, of credits. He's worked... Um, he produced Atlas by Partway Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced Perseverance by Hatebreed. He produced oh, God Hates Us All by Slayer. I thought you were going to say Television. Uh, he produced God Hates All by Slayer he produced Power Trip by Monster Magnet oh nice Um, he mixed The Satanist Mm -hmm. very nice nice. Um, but he's also produced albums from the likes of Necrogoblicon The 69 Eyes and um, Red Sun Rising who I've never heard of before and Children of Bodom so uh, you know he's he's done some he's done some really good things and then he's done some not so good things but you know i think when you look at perseverance power trip the satanist especially you look at just the you're big, looking at the best the best albums by the in those bands back catalog well also the big one that stands out there is he mixed the satanist can mm. you imagine just like i'm i'm no mixer you're no mixer you know but can you imagine receiving a record like that with all those disparate elements and then go okay can you make this sound not like a total head fuck please and can you make it sound clear and concise and but still heavy as fuck i mean yeah. that is a job and a half isn't it like it really is and what an amazing job he did on it with the satanist mm. you know it still hits like a fucking 10 ton truck but you can hear all those elements with crystal clarity i think you know I, yeah I, I, I think you'd have to be a right prissy prick to be like oh it's commercial sounds on on the satanists i've, Just imagine I've it seen now. it oh i'm <laughs> sure I mean, it's I'm, happened I've yeah it. i'm sure it's happened but okay i just i was gonna say just die that's a bit much isn't it <laughs> a little bit much. Uh, that's fine 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so anyway, so the album was was sort of pushed back, and by the end of the, I mean, they they did Wembley, which I think was, I guess, was meant to be like, um, sort of booked in as a gore you know the opener of gore and then that got moved and so you could say it's a sort of a one-off interim between uh koino yokan and gore as it was originally booked but then by the time gore was out they were playing wembley and they also played alexandra palace on that tour as well didn't they with afi yes they did they did indeed mm. yes 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 mm. uh, so it's a pretty significant jump up in terms of uh, the venues that they were playing previously. And you think, to me, Deftones were, with that exception of that little bit of time between White Pony and the self-titled, uh, they were always uh, a, a Brixton Academy band, a sort of theatre band, a club band. And they've made, then they made, you know, on White Pony, they made that jump to arenas, you know, a couple of Wembley shows and um, the, <laughs> the now defunct Docklands Arena. Um you know, that show as well with mm -hmm. Linkin Park. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, they've always been a Brixton band. Whereas now, I think if they come back, when they come back, you would imagine they will stay a, a an arena band, would you not think? I would have thought so. Um, yes, I would have thought so. It. I mean, you know, being very honest and picky as we often are on this show, um, I do recall that the Wembley show was certainly not sold out. Uh, no. And if I recall, there was a black curtain at the back of the arena. Um, so Wembley Arena have this setup where they can basically put a black curtain down in several different places in the arena. It was right at the back, which is basically like configuration B, if you'd like. If A is the biggest, B is slightly smaller, C slightly smaller, D slightly smaller, you know, I don't know how many configurations F, F they have. Is what, F is what Opeth had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's basically a couple of seats on the stage and a curtain <laughs> in the photo pit. I mean, I I mean, I, I believe that, well, th this is more rumour really, but I, I do believe they halved the capacity for that show. So, you know, but anyway, anyway, but now they can say they played in Wembley Arena. Tick it off, can't they? Mm. Um, Half of Wembley yeah, Arena. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Although I went to that show and it's fucking amazing. So, blah. Um, but uh, yes, um, so they did have a curtain right at the back. But um, yeah, I mean, I my prediction, it's 12,000 cap Wembley Arena. I'm sh I reckon they sold 8,000 tickets, I would have thought, at least. Mm. Uh, uh, pr probably a tad more than that, actually. Yeah, and Ali Pali felt well full. It I mean, did. that's 10,000? Uh, yes, Pally? it is about 12. It, it's about 10,000, yeah. 10,000. So, you know, when they came back, um, I don't know if AFI played a part in that. I would, I would like to I would have thought they I would have thought they would have despite despite the lack the surprisingly lackluster uh, uh response to AFI that night I would mm. have thought because it'd been so bloody long since AFI yeah. I mean at that point I'd never seen AFI live because it'd been so bloody long since they'd come over and whenever they came yeah. over before I just for whatever reason couldn't afford it or whatever but I hadn't been a journalist um the, the, the previous time AFI had come over, it had been that long. So I remember yeah. that. Yeah, oh, me too. Mm. Yeah, oh my God, it had been a long, long time. Mm. Um, so, you know, but, but I think that's kind of ironic that their their profile 
in terms of ticket sales, it would appear on a, at least on the very, very surface level, it would appear that they reached that kind of arena point with an album, which was, I mean, we'll talk about the critical reception from it, but no one really seemed to be that fussed about gore. I don't think in the, in the real world. Well, yes, uh, I I think, I think it is um, because, well, we will talk about the critical reception about it because in a moment, because um, critically, it, I don't think it did badly at all. It seems to be no. real world Deftones fans who, I mean, most Deftones fans are pretty reasonable people, tend to have good mm. taste, uh, you know, and I very rarely hear people go, oh, gore, it's total shit. But there is there is an awful lot of people who are like, yeah, gore just didn't really do it for me. Um, and you know, we've discussed this probably a number of times on this show, but this is an opportunity to discuss it in in um, in detail. I, I said to you before we started this, I re-listened to this to Gore this morning. You re-listened to it last night, and I I four years on, I have no fucking clue why this album was uh, received lukewarmly. I think would be the accurate way to put it by many 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 deftones fans certainly not all of them but many deftones fans just find just are very meh about this record and i do not get it i don't either i don't really understand i mean especially when you think i don't think i heard it for koino yokan and they're kind of i mean i listened to this and then i listened to koino yokan because it's been a while since i've listened to i mean to be honest i I say it's been a while since I listened to Deftones. You and I know that I have been listening to Deftones <laughs> quite a lot recently, but not not that album, um, not either of these albums. I hadn't been listening. I hadn't really listened to Deftones in a little while, which is not, you know, like me really. But um, mm. for whatever reason, the last sort of year or so, I've not really listened to Deftones at all. And then I put this one on, and it has been a little while since I listened to it. And I was like, it's probably been a little while since I listened to Koino Yokan as well. So I was like, I should probably listen to that as well. Just because I was in, you know, I listened to this and I was like, this is great. And I was in the mood and I was like, oh, I'll put the other one on that I don't listen to. I haven't listened to that much. And I have to say, there's not, stylistically at least, there's not a huge, great jump from a lot of the stuff that people didn't seem to like on Gore was sort of already there on Koino Yokan. There's not, it's not like they introduced those elements on Gore and they'd never been there before. They're there on Koino Yokan. This is the, this is what I don't understand. The, the, the primary complaint seemed to be that Deftones had lost their sort of heavy edge and their heaviness. And Mm. I just, I mean, we, we briefly talked about this um, last night on the phone and you were like, yeah, well, compared to Around the Fur, and yeah, sure, compared to the Around, Around the Fur, it's not as heavy. But, you know, you could argue that they lost, quote unquote, that heaviness on White Pony. I mean, yes, you've got songs like yeah. Elite and so on and so forth. But Deftones, Deftones only has the odd, like, really massive screams. Hexagram. Hexagram. And uh, Girls Telephone well, Boys. Girls Telephone Boys. But there's a lot of really chilled stuff on that as well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know... Uh, like listening to gore i mean doomed user is heavy as fuck acid hologram geometric headdress the title track is i was gonna say the title track fucking heavy you know yeah um i just i don't 
really get it, certainly compared to Koino Yaken. I, I do not think Gore is as good as Koino Yaken, just because I think Koino Yaken's more cinematic, it's more expansive. Uh, it's the post-rock record, isn't it? Um, mm. And and I fucking love it, you know. Um, but I don't think Gore is that far behind at all. And um, and yeah, yet people just don't seem to really respond to this album. I've got a theory. Go on. Here's my theory. Um, Koino Yaken and Gore are actually sort of remarkably similar records. I do think Koino Yokan is slightly better. And I think it is yeah. slight as well. I think it's very, very slight. And when those people say there's not enough heavy stuff on those albums, I mean, you just mentioned, obviously, the title track. Mm. Doomed User was the first one that I was going to bring up. I hadn't listened to this for a while. And as soon as Doomed User came on, I was like, well, there you go. There's your criticisms just squashed Out under a water. bus. Yep. Yeah, straight away. Um, but... When those people say heavy, I think they may not be talking about heavy. They may be talking about new metal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They may be and talking Koino about bangers. They may be yeah, talking and about Koino Yeah, and Koino Yoken um, has got one absolute fucking rager on it, yep. which is as bouncy mid-90s Deftones as you can possibly imagine yeah we're talking um, about swerve city of course i am yes. talking about swerve city obviously i was about to come to that i mean swerve city is like merlin at metal hammer is like swerve city might be my favorite deftone song mm. swerve city is the best song they've done this decade swerve city is the best song they've done in 20 years you know Merle likes limp biscuit and mm. do you know what i mean and lincoln park and stuff like that that's what he likes he doesn't really like deftones as deftones i don't think swerve city is a particularly accurate representation. I mean, it is a Deftones song, but I don't think it's a particularly accurate representation of Deftones in this decade. Uh, yeah, agreed. I I, I, I I, love Swirl City. I think it's a phenomenal song and it's a phenomenal start to that record. Um, for my money, there is more interesting stuff on the album as a whole, but, but yes, I mean how could you deny Swerve City come on no of course it's not. incredible of course. yeah and it's under it's under three minutes long yeah it's one yeah. big bouncy it's the song that opens the record um i want i, I want mean, deftones to play Swerve City for the rest of their career yeah yeah, yeah 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 and i think they're definitely capable of writing better and heavier versions of that yeah i mean don't ask me how i know that but <laughs> i feel like they are um, sake. <laughs> uh, and, uh, um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's an actual kind of a proper representation of what Deftones are now. And I think that album Koino Yokan very, very quickly lets you know that, you know, I mean, the fact that Swerve City ends the way that it ends and then immediately you get romantic dreams which just goes yeah if you expect this to be like all the way through how does romantic dreams go again steve oh you did it you did it you went oh twice oh no just well you know i don't mean like as in it's rubbish i mean it's just like that kind of high energy thing is just like brought straight back down you know it's very eased you, you then suddenly eased into something completely different yeah and they yeah. never they never try and they never try and 
and, and match Swerve City. There's no sense of like slowly dropping the pace. It's just like, nope, we've done that. There's your banger. We're going to do something. This I, is the rest of the album. Now. I know what you mean. I don't, I think, I think what you're saying could be seen as a criticism and I know you're not saying it as a criticism, but yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you, I know what you mean. I, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, leathers debatably, but even leathers isn't quite mm. as, quite as big as Swerve City, is it? Fucking, no. fucking great song. Not don't get me wrong. But. Great song. And it's got shit like Tempest on it. In to- I think Entombed is beautiful. Oh, Entombed's uh, Like fucking, just a great album. But, um, but you know, people, when people think of albums, they think of the singles. Like a lot of most people, the single or the big song of it will bop into your head straight away. Yeah. Like, as I mentioned, Limp Biscuit there, I mean, you know, I didn't think of 1999 or Stuck. Yeah. Uh, I thought of yeah. out rolling yeah. straight away. That's yeah. what you think of. Yeah. So I think people have this sort of unrealistic um idea of what Koine Yoken was based on the fact that they gave them one absolute banger and then just did the stuff that they were going to do for the rest of the decade you may well and, be right and of course the first and, single on this uh, was prayers triangles wasn't it yeah well, again the opening track but mm. prayers triangles is a brilliant song absolutely uh it is definitely not a banger though no Brilliant song, but not a banger. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree. Mm. And also, I, I just, I just called up the um, the set list from Wembley Arena, um, just out of interest. And um, I mean, interestingly, they do only play three songs from Gore. And I remember being, I personally was disappointed by that at the time because I was like, you could totally play a lot more songs from Gore. But they, oh, what did they play? Did they, they started? Pres- with, they started with Hearts Wires. They started the set with Hearts Wires, which is brave. Um, mm. I don't recall that at all, but they did. Did the acid hologram? I was no. sure they did. did they no, not? they did. Pray- they did hearts wires, prayers, triangles, and Rubicon. Oh no, Rubicon's not on this record, is it? What am I talking about? Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. It Sorry. Is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yes, they did. Yeah, hearts wires, prayers, triangles, and Rubicon. That is it, as far. I'm sure I've seen them do acid hologram. It must have been either at Download or uh, Ali Pali, because I remember being like, "Oh, this sounds great live." I'm sure I've seen it. Well, I can um, bring up the Ali Pali set now as well because I've got it right. It doesn't matter too much, Renfrey. Like, don't worry your little head about it. But anyway, (laughs) you're right. You're right. The the point is, is that I remember every time they played something from Gore being like, God, this just sounds really fucking good live. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, well, I've already brought it up, so fuck it. Um, uh, Ali Pali, Phantom Bride, Geometric Headrests. And again, that appears to be it. I mean, I, I for yeah. some bizarre reason, I think Deftones kind of played into the fact in a weird way. Like, obviously not intentionally, I don't think, but they played into that fact by not playing all that many songs from the Gore record. I remember um, we talked about seeing them on Saturday Night Wrist and Saturday Night Wrist, they only played, goodness me, they only played like two or three songs. Yeah, I can't imagine they played... I think they played, I remember they played Mine at Brixton, I think, and they would have played Hole in the Earth as well. They definitely played Cherry Waves when I saw them Did they? as yeah, well. Yeah, that seems like a weird one to pick as well. Was it Cherry Waves? or What's the one that goes insanely heavy towards the end? Um, like the third beware? track. Beware, sorry, I mean Beware, yeah. not Cherry Waves. Because um, I remember being really excited to hear it and then Chino's guitar fucked up midway through and I was like, oh, that's a shame. I'll probably never get to hear that song ever again. Um... But yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think probably that played into it a little bit. And I mean, at this point, Deftones, just how do you choose a Deftones set? 
goodness me, must be pretty fucking difficult considering the amount of amazing I'd li- I'd, stuff. I'd, I'd like the opportunity if they're ever oh. doing like fan gets to pick set. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah, this is a shout out to the <laughs> There'll be a lot of disappointed casuals who are like, <laughs> I can't believe I didn't get my own summer. No, you're not getting my own summer. <laughs> yeah, as amazing as my own summer is. I mean, I love the fact that they just bang into my own summer like second or third and in most sets these days but mm. obviously you've heard it a million times before and and uh yeah if i got to pick my own set I'd probably it, it's the old do i do i put enter sandman in, in a metallica set yeah, not yeah. enough million years yeah exactly exactly it's not it's not a diss on that song it is just like if we got to choose it'd be like well i want to hear something a bit different um mm. should we talk about the critical um appraisal of this record um, well, before we do, I actually oh. wanted to kind of um, add a little bit on to the the idea that the rec- you know the the reception from fans because uh, Stephen Carpenter was uh, a bit put like there was there were kind of rumours that he was a bit put out that he didn't really do much or Chino had sort of said ah you know he didn't really you know like he was a bit kind of grumpy in the studio and there was a bit of a sort of you know what's what's going on here then do you know what i mean there was a, and I, I think shit gets you know mis um represented in the in the press and i actually did an interview with uh with steph to sort of clear it up mm. to sort of i remember speaking to him and going um i think it actually got set up because he was pretty pissed off at the idea that he'd gone i can't actually remember exactly what it was that had been said he didn't feel did he didn't feel inspired by it it was an interview with ultimateguitar.com and stephen carpenter stephen carpenter the headline was deftones guitarist and co-founder stephen carpenter talks to ultimate guitar i didn't want to play on the new record it wasn't the style or the sound i was hoping we would take Mm. and that's the quote and i'm sure i'm sure it is the quote but i i think it's the way that words written down can seem a lot harsher than they actually like that could have just been say uh initially i didn't want to play on the record on the new record it wasn't the style of sound that i was hoping to make but you know as things went on it went quite good you can't when you say it like that it you you kind of understand the nuance of it and the subtleties yeah. of it and yada 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 and, and having interviewed him a few times he's a fairly sort of laid back yeah i was gonna say blunt it's not even really blunt it's just a sort of um, that real, you know, someone just sort of goes with the flow and they'll just go like, hey, you know, yeah, I didn't really feel like doing it. And it's not a kind of like, I didn't want to do this and I yeah. was pissed off. Yeah. Like it's said in a real matter of fact, he's very matter of fact. So I actually a- a- was... was and anyone who's like had a miscommunication over, I don't know, WhatsApp or Messenger or something like that, where mm. you said something which you don't mean it to be as harsh as it is, but written down in words it's it feels a lot harsher than it actually is that happens with interviews all the fucking time and there's Mm. this culture in um in online uh uh rock criticism online music stuff in, in just all media full stop of taking something that someone has said out of context a lot of the time and then running with it as a news story i was i was listening to the metal hammer podcast a couple of days ago and they were talking about floor jansen um just sort of vaguely saying in an interview i'm not really a big slayer fan and then the metal hammer news team took that made it into a story and then the internet kicked off and it's just like 
Floor Johnson doesn't like Slayer. Who gives a fuck? Like, like you know, it's just and and it, I, like Merlin did that interview apparently, and he was saying it was just a brief kind of aside thing that she said. But yeah, that's unfortunately, you know, it's the job of news teams and so on and so forth to get people to click on articles. And so from that point of view, Metal Hammer were doing a good job there. Um, but it does sort of it does make mountains out of molehills sometimes, often mm. actually. So I think I was uh, actually given the task to do the to be sent in and do the sort of um, uh, the retrospective. Look, look, look! This is what I actually meant. And I spoke to him about it, and he was a bit and and he basically sort of went. I was totally happy with the with the guys to go off and and do the thing that they were doing, and for them to sort of come up with ideas. I just didn't really have any ideas for the for for what was going on at that particular time. Was I, I wasn't upset about it. Mm. I wasn't uninspired. I wasn't angry. I wasn't pissed off or anything like that. He's like, it's just, they were coming up with ideas. And I was like, the sh- and he, he was talking about, I've been listening to loads of gent bands and mm. really, really heavy shit. And I didn't know where a heavy riff would go in here or there. So we just didn't use them. Yeah. And we still got them and we'll do them another time. Yeah, 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 and, exactly. You know, and it wasn't, it just wasn't a big deal at all. But I think people saw that and they were like, oh, Deftones are in crisis and all this sort yeah. of stuff. And it's just just not true and it probably added to the him saying that or, or that being put out into the world made people go oh it's not he- it's not a very heavy album exactly it's not a very heavy out because yeah, even exactly. the band don't think it's a heavy album yeah. and it's like it's you know yes again like i say it's not heavy like engine number nine is heavy mm. no mm. but it's it still, still scare your nan if you put it on it's scare yeah. my nan and she's dead you know it's ridiculous I mean, like it is, it is really, it is still a heavy record, undoubtedly. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just utter nonsense. And re- really, this is just an indication of how the media works these days. You know, you just take one thing that someone said in a forty-five minute transcript or whatever it is, and then it blows up and becomes this thing. I mean, I do think um, the news media, music journalism, certainly, they always want an angle. Um, there's no there's no way that the music media, the rock press certainly are not going to talk about a new Deftones record in 2016. Um, and I do think that musically, really, um, you know, Diamond Eyes obviously had an angle. Um, I think Koino Yakan to an extent had an angle. It, the angle just being, well, they've come back from the brink. Is this record going to be as good? It was probably just a, enough of an angle. Gore didn't really have an angle, so no. they needed to not make one up, but but take one and then massively, massively uh, over-exaggerate it in order for there to be an angle. And it's just, unfortunately, I think it's made people view this record in a way that it shouldn't be viewed. It's true. It is true. Um, uh, but then, yes, so... Let's talk about the, um, I mean, what I was going to say actually is what I remember thinking at the time, uh, especially regarding Steph Carpenter's guitar work on it, Mm. is that I think Frank Delgado does, this is the best Frank Delgado album, I think. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I I think Frank Delgado, I think this is the first time where there are songs that feel like they have come from from Frank Delgado's starting point. Do you know what I mean? Well, when I spoke to Chino, he did say that it was primarily him, Sergio and Abe. 
but but certainly okay. I but certainly I agree that there's a that the Frank does some brilliant sterling work on this record, mm. and it's certainly a good shout to say that it might. Be, I mean, mm, you put me a little bit on the spot, but but certainly he does some brilliant work on this record, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's great on Koino Yokan as well. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely there were bits on this where I was like, oh my god, that's that's Frank Delgado, and it's just like it's so the sort of driving not even because driving makes it sound like it's kind of powering along and i don't think it powers anything on this record particularly powers along due to frank delgado but i do think there are things that frank delgado does that really get in your um that sort of dominate your subconscious mm. that i think if you took out it would be a far less interesting record oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. i mean i've always mm. thought he's been brilliant at that anyway certainly since I was going to say since White Pony, that's when he bloody joined the band, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's why. That's why his work on Around the Fur wasn't that good because. He well, wasn't do you know on what? It. He was in the band in on, on Around the Fur. Like, well, I mean, was, I saw them. He? I saw them. He wasn't an official member, but I saw them a bunch of times on Around the Fur, and he's he was you know he was there. He was in. Mm. The, he was basically mm. in the band. Um, but I don't think he's on yeah. on that album, is he? He's not on the records, yeah. no. But he like that's why Deftones. Oh, that, those, I mean when we get into it one day i'll talk about like how good deftones were back on those kind of first few european tours they're just absolutely one of the greatest things i mean i saw them on that around the fur tour i must have seen them one hold on hold on hold on one two three four five six times on the around the fur tour i saw them and every and at the Astoria like four times reading reading festival main stage the best one still, I think I've said it before, Portsmouth Pyramid Centre with mm. Will Haven. Mm. When they did that impromptu Weezer cover set, mm. it was just the fucking greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, anyway, uh, that's for another time. Um, yeah, Frank is great. So we should talk about the critical reception. Do you want to start with, did you review this in The Independent? I didn't review it, no. no. Okay, fair enough. Um, it got nine out of ten in Metal Hammer. Who did that? Hey, <laughs> only me. It's only me. Um, only me. I've got my review up here. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, thank God. But thank God, yeah, because it is a, it's wordy. I remember somebody. I remember somebody. Um, I hate. I hate writers who use words. Ugh. I know. I remember somebody um, mentioned. Like, I think on their Facebook page, and they're going. This just goes to show that a writer. Uh, he ran out of words so he used a bunch of long words because he just wanted to carry on using words and he ran like, out of words so he carried so on using words that was the rhetoric wasn't it, it was something like that yeah it was something about there's just a load of long words here and they don't mean anything um it's like god he's gonna hate they, my reviews isn't he that's like, i think they do and, and and going like why do you just keep on writing it's like we what why don't people know about what i thought people like before i wrote for a magazine i knew about word counts Mm. don't people know about word counts yeah <laughs> yeah don't really yeah. i thought that was like really really common knowledge yeah 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 yeah. Let, let's let's make it clear for people now um we get uh word counts when we're a asked to do count. reviews yes and we are asked hence say, why the mushroom head album was only 120 words yes i didn't think i've only got 120 words to say about this exactly 
because not that any mushroom head fans that had a go at me are listening to this i'm sure but <laughs> because in print certainly you only have a certain amount of space so you are given a word count um you're often given word counts online as well which is total poppycock because in theory there's an infinite amount of space on uh, the internet yeah but that's another thing entirely i always ignore ignore the online word count I, I usually do yeah um uh, although don't do that if you want to get journalism because they might get annoyed with you but um yes and you have word counts for that reason and so and you you know if you go you're meant to get as close to the word count as you possibly can basically you know i mean it's not like oh my god it's a 300 word count and i'm on 298 i need to be like i need to say it's rad at the end of it or anything like that <laughs> or it's shit to make sure that it's 300 but you get as close to it as possible kind of thing mm -hmm. and if you know if you're 50 words under or 50 words over that's going to be an issue and they're going to come back to you and go oh we need you to change this it's as simple as that that's all it is and yet, we as reviewers... Don't you know about work counts? We, don't you don't know about work counts? We as reviewers... No one listening to this doesn't know about work counts, by the way, but I'm just going to be like, can can we all start sticking up for... Can we can we all make word counts common knowledge to these <laughs> it's people? Just, I, yeah, it's just... I mean, well, when you get criticism like that, you just know the person saying it's a fucking idiot, don't you? Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, the last... Uh, I think I kind of... some Looking back on it, I stand by all of this. I stand by this review. Yeah, I do. Um, the last paragraph says, if you're expecting something as instantaneous as Swerve City or Rocket Skates from their previously two lauded comeback albums, then you may be in for something a disappointment with only the stabbing bludgeon of doomed user coming close. And even then it changes tack and swings in all manner of directions halfway through. If, however, you delight in being challenged, coerced and invited on a journey of oblique emotional mysticism, then Gore is going to be one of your favourite albums of the year. So just your basic standard Deftones album then. Exactly. Yes, please. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I would probably stand by that today. I, I, I mean, it's 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 kind of what I said earlier. You know, mm. it doesn't have the bangers on it. If you're if you've got your, you know, your Spotify best of Deftones up and it's got fucking uh change in the house of flies and um my own summer and seven words and swerve city and rocket skates and minerva on it i mean even like minerva and even the sort of slower ones i just mentioned there they're probably even though they're slower and more you know they don't have the same pace and they're not bangers mm. they're still very anthemic and they're yes. still very big and i think there's something about gore which feels really big but is also very focused as well yeah i mean it's 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 about either creating like i think sometimes people look at an album and and if it doesn't have loads of massive standout mo moments they go well therefore it's a bad album interestingly i mean for the most part people seem to be responding to it really well but we're recording this um just a few days after the new biffy clyro albums come out and one of I, you know, we both liked it very, very much. If you've not heard mm -hmm. our review, um, and I, I, one of my few criticisms of that album uh, is that there isn't one massive, massive tune on it. But I also think that that's not really the end of the world because it, it, it massive, massive tune in a single sense. Anyway, I mean, I yeah. argue cop syrup, but but that's I don't think that's going to be a single. It might be, who knows? Um, but it's not it's not typical single material at all, is it? Cop syrup, you know? Absolutely um, not. No. Um, and I think sometimes people look at that sort of thing, and go, oh well, that's a failure then, isn't it? And it fucking isn't. It isn't at all. And Gore is 
um well obviously it's more a celebration of endings it's gore like but but gore reminds me of a celebration of endings in that sense in that it's mm. an album that works it, it, picking and choosing moments from it you'll still get enjoyment out of it but but as it's it's as an album that it properly works in my opinion yeah and i i agree i love that personally i know that's not fashionable right now you know albums aren't particularly fashionable but but in my opinion the album is the most interesting and uh most uh epic cinematic uh artistic statement a band can make um so i personally am far more interested in albums than i am in songs individual songs personally. yeah me too so yeah me too but i think um, casual I fans are more interested in individual songs yeah, probably. I mean, the fact that this was, it's got 81 out of 100 on Metacritic, which indicates universal acclaim. Got nine in Metal Hammer, as I mentioned. Got eight out of 10 in Classic Rock, which is quite surprising. Got an A minus in Consequence of Sound. It got a eight out of 10 in Metal Injection. 7.8 out of 10 in Pitchfork, which for Pitchfork. It's pretty good, yeah. Pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Four in Q, four in The Skinny. Uh, seven out of ten in spin one of the lower ones um andy o'connor praised the use of iron maiden like guitar work uh, hey. we've been here we've been here before haven't we <laughs> unfortunately deftones and iron maiden um which stretches back to uh them doing an nme show at the astoria supported by Idlewild and therapy in 1998 and uh they basically said they sound ex they're like an iron maiden ripoff band which God. where where God. right okay, where fine. where mm. how what where well they where both, they do both play guitars steve and, they both and they're both a heavy them. metal band so mm. they must be mm. like they iron maiden the same mm. yes, mm. yeah, yeah. okay good um i mean he's, he praised them for sound like iron maiden which you know at least he praised them the enemy slagged them off for it mm. um mm. could i still back? wrong could, could I pop back to Metacritic just for a moment? Uh, my favourite analysis site because I'm a nerd. Um, yes, as you said, it's got a score of 81, uh, which is actually from the Metacritic scores, uh, which obviously doesn't mean anything necessarily, but it does give an indication of what critics as a whole thought of records, is the second best Deftones album of their career. Oh. Here's something even more interesting, in my opinion. Uh, what's number one, Steve, of the um, most appraised? Uh, well, I'm asking you to guess, so don't look, you cheeky bugger. I think if you're I'm not looking. Um, I'm going to guess. Uh, it seems too obvious to say White Pony. I'm going to guess at Diamond Eyes. Good guess. Wrong. Uh, it's Koino Yakan with a score of 86. Diamond Eyes has a score of 78. White Pony is mm -hmm. joint last with uh joint last with saturday night wrist oh you could, that was a that was a snort of pain and derision <laughs> you're like mm. uh but yeah 72 don't i don't understand mm. it no it's not i mean I, this is why i find like when i wang on about metacritic it's not me going oh metacritic is the the best and everything i think it's interesting to see these attitudes and how they've changed over time you know mm. i mean i must say i looked at the white pony i looked specifically at it because i was like you what 72 out of 100 for an album that is clearly uh, i mean any self-respecting music critic if it isn't in their at least their top 10 of the 2000s i would 
start asking questions personally. Um, but uh, and they are missing the 5k Kerrang review and stuff like that. So there are some things that are missing, which could put it up a bit. Select gave it two out of 10. Idiot. <laughs> Idiot. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, let's just have a quick look at their quote for that. Maybe when they abandon their arrested development and stop convincing themselves the world is aligned specifically for their personal displeasure, they'll arrive at something listenable. God. Shut up. Oh, that, that's a, that sounds like a bad review. Yeah, shut up. Un annoyingly, uh, it's not available online. That's the only bit that I've got from it. But yeah, July 2000 edition of Select, page 112, if anyone's got that. And yeah, I, I bet fucking The Man Who by Travis got like got, 9 yeah. out of 10. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what a travesty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, but right. um, but I thought I just thought that was an interesting thing just to show that um, you know, critics definitely get it wrong uh, quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, fucking hell, I'm sure both of us have got a few things wrong. Of course we have. Of course we over, have. Over over the years, um, of course we have. Or you know, have predicted things. I think you'd have, I to, think have, the thing you'd have is to have the, a massive ego to to think that you never ever get anything wrong i mean of not course that we, yeah not that we've ever met anyone like that or anything like that but you know uh, you have have a huge uh, yeah you would um and um but i think now it's more likely that you would get you would say this is going to be the biggest band ever and then it wouldn't happen yeah or this is the best thing and it will be groundbreaking and everyone will love it and they don't i think that's more likely to happen than the other way around where Although, of course you critics know, are too scared to say that these days aren't they that's what we moan about a lot i guess so it's a lot of sort of eights and stuff isn't it mm -hmm. everything there's sort of eight eight and nine i mean i really i look back on but i've i've i think i said to you the other week i've had to kind of recalibrate how i what i consider eights and nines these days because since giving code orange 10 i now feel like the goalposts the goalposts yeah i i really i do genuinely feel like if i've if i'm giving that 10 then the things that would have been a nine maybe a year ago mm. are actually an eight now mm -hmm. um so you know just a warning when i Give your favourite band eight out of ten, which is a good score. Do you know what I mean? It's a, a really good score. Mm. Would I give Gore a nine today? I probably would give it an eight. Actually, I probably would give it an eight rather than a nine. I um, yeah, I do think on, eight is on fair the on this record. Yeah, on on the basis of um, how I feel about it today, I think I would give it an eight. There are Deftones albums that I would give nines to, and there are Deftones albums that I would give tens to. Yeah. Multiple on both counts. Um, yep. But, you know, uh, I think Gore, where you put it in the Deftones back catalogue, it's, it, it's not right up the top, but it's certainly not last. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people would have it rock bottom at this point. Yeah, which I, which, no, I, I, I don't get at all. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I well. <laughs> I, I think, I don't want to go do a big like Deftones I think you can only really argue um, that last place. Some people will say Gore. Some people, a lot of people would say Saturday Night Wrist. I think mm. it'd probably be between those two. Mm. I think some people might say um, the self-titled as well. Mm. Mm. I think Gore, out of those three records, I think Gore's the best. Or maybe... 
Oh, tricky one. Tricky, 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 tricky. Maybe. Yes, maybe. I think there are t- there's nothing like... It's weird, isn't it? Because those other two albums have so many standout, brilliant songs. Mm. And like you've just mentioned, this doesn't really have any absolute, like, clear standout moments. Yes. I think it's consistently really great all yes. the way through. Yes, exactly. I don't think either of those two other records are consistently great all the way, to, all the way through. And I True. think there are actually moments on both of those albums that I don't ever need to hear. I mean, what's the what's the one on Saturday Night Wrist? I've forgotten the name of it now, where it's just a girl sort of talking um, down pink, the... Pink cell phone. Pink cell phone. I mean, pink cell phone is... I don't know. I don't need to hear pink cell phone. Pink cell phone's pretty bad, I would say. Have you heard, um, the, have you heard the extended version, which is an additional minute and a half? No, it's like, I mean, I, does this need to exist? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually think mine with like considering that was the, one of the singles as well. I think mine is fucking bang average as well. Well, mine, I mean, this is part of the reason why I really, really want to do do something on Saturday Night Wrist in depth. Mine, in my opinion, is one of the worst songs on the record. So it's kind of stunning that it was, wasn't it the first yeah. single? I think it was. It's because Surge is on it. Because Surge is on it. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, but mine is by far one of the worst songs on that album, in my opinion. In fact, I'm looking at the track listing now, and I would say it's probably the second, maybe third worst song on the album. And then saying that, actually, I'm just looking at the um, the title, the title track. I'm looking at the um, track listing for the self-titled album. Mm. Uh, that's actually pretty good. That is actually pretty good. There's nothing that really jumps out as being rubbish there. I don't think. I wouldn't say it's rubbish, but do we need Lucky You? I was about to say Lucky You would be the one that I'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's not great. Yeah, um, but everything else is at least pretty good. But then that's yeah. still one more than I would pick from Gore. Mm. Um, so yeah. yeah, you know, it's it's a weird one that Gore has been. Uh, I hope. I mean, I think it was. It's that thing where it got a lot of like, "This is great, yes, new Deftones," and then it came out, and everyone went, "Yeah, new Deftones." And then after a while, they went, "Yeah, but you know, do you actually listen to it anymore? Do you actually listen to it? Is it actually any good?" I don't think it's very good. I think you're just saying that because it's Deftones. There was a bit of a backlash about it against it. That thing happened with Steph Carpenter, and people went, "Oh yeah, it's not heavy enough." Oh, I would like them to be more heavy. And now no one really talks about it. And if they do talk about it. It tends to be people who go, I don't know why people don't like Gore. Because I know there's me and you and there's a few other people that I know that are like, no, Gore's really good. I don't know why I don't talk about it. It's really, really good. Same um, thing happened with the self-titled I, though, didn't it? Yeah. And, and I hope as the years progress, and actually I hope when Deftone's new album comes out, whenever that may be, um, people listen to that and it sort of maybe makes them go and reevaluate Gore. Again, because I feel that, you know, every time a new album by a big band comes out, everyone looks back again and goes, oh, it's not quite as good as the last thing they did. I don't think that's going to happen this time, personally. Um, But it might make people go and kind of revisit Gore with fresh ears and, you know, hopefully they can see it for what it actually is rather than what they've kind of been told it is or what they they perceive it to be. I'm certain it'll happen. I mean, I mean, I think the self-titled Deftones record and Gore have a lot in common in that um you know self-titled deftones record came out after a massive massive uh career highlight um in in white pony and there was this perception 
that it was quote unquote a disappointment just because it couldn't live up to one of the best records of the 21st century. You know, it's sort of the blackening effect as well, isn't it? You know, mm. um, it, it's just it's just that thing of like, and and also there wasn't. I mean, the story with the deaf t- with the self titled record is that um, Warner Brothers fined them a million dollars for putting in the record late uh for 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 delivering the record late which um, was always something that i was like is that really true and i actually put it i asked chino if it was true when i interviewed him and he was like yeah that's absolutely true <laughs> i was like oh fuck because that sounds like a that sounded like a myth to me that like why would a record company sue not sue but like you know punish their own artists like that but there you go well done warner brothers idiots um but uh is it Warner Brothers? It's Maverick. No, it was Maverick. Um, Madonna, isn't it? Madonna, bloody Madonna. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, th- and then the story around this one, of course, was the Steph Carpenter thing, which is all just nonsense and blown out of proportion, anyway, isn't it? You know. Mm. Um, so, do you think, just as a sort of one final thing, do you think that the album cover had anything to do with the negative reception? Pink fingers. because. Pink flamingos on the front cover of a heavy metal band's record. That's good. Is it? I would like. I mean, I would this, like this, to is, think, this is Death Heaven Sunbather all over again. Isn't yeah, it? I would like to think that we're beyond this sort of shit now. But I know full well, I don't go on. I know you you quite enjoy going onto those sorts of forums from time to time and stirring shit up because I've seen you do it. <laughs> but I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He says with a massive smile on his face, listeners. Um, but um, but uh, I, I tend to avoid those kind of forums because dumb people um, I make me sad, Steve. <laughs> and I've got enough things to be sad enough about as it is. So um, I don't... Yeah, I guess... Yeah, those people exist, don't they? Um, did, did it? Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I remember sp- talking specifically to Chino about the album artwork and it was he was just like it's just a it's what we talk about all the time juxtaposition it's just mm-hmm. a cool juxtaposition you call your record gore which is you know visceral bloody guts blood and guts and then you put a lovely striking image of pink flamingos on the front it's it's just juxtaposition hmm. but i mean this is the last thing i was going to ask though gore the title right mm. doesn't really bear any relation to anything on the record um musically when you put it as guts and gore and blah 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 all that kind of stuff true is it named after i i i believe this in my heart i believe this maybe i want to believe it is gore not named after martin gore from depeche mode is this not a tribute to martin gore i think it is i'm gonna i have no idea whether it is or not but i'm gonna say that it is because it sounds like it could be i'm trying to remember if i asked Chino about this. I mean, if I did, I didn't put uh, it in I mean, the final review. I was going to say, if you're going, why did you? Why, where did you get your names from? <laughs> That's bad, man. <laughs> I only had half an hour with him, and the first thing I wanted to know was, what does Deftones mean? Um, no, uh, I, I can't. No, I don't think I. I don't think I did. But um, who knows? I have absolutely no idea. Um, but certainly a theory i hope it is because hmm. hmm. i know they like death i know they like depeche mode yeah 
Good work. I know they're called Deftones, so they could be near Depeche Mode in the in the racks in the, in in the CD record racks. shops mm-hmm. in the CD rack when they used to have them. A lot of bands do that. Used to do that, didn't they? Yeah. I'm trying to think of another example, and I can't. <laughs> But a lot of bands have done that. Uh, Radiohead did with REM, didn't they? A for yeah. Oh, they wanted to be, to be next the first, to. I always they thought to be the first band. I thought they wanted to be next to Agrophobic Nosebleed. A yeah, that, or ACDC. Or ACDC. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no. So Radiohead. they just wanted to be the first band. A <laughs> and they they are. Yeah, well, they they, be, they definitely they? are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, I'm sure Radiohead did it for REM. That might not be true. I can't remember. Mm. But yeah. They've not picked their name very well if they wanted to be next to R.E.M. though, are they? Because there's going to be like R.A.D. There's going to be R.A.G. Ah, no, R- no, 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 no. R.A.F. Because actually, provi- provided the uh, shops do the correct thing, it's R.E.M. So actually they would be pretty damn close because R.E.M. will be the first in the this is how the alphabet works because uh, i know how the alphabet works <laughs> because it's r dot not r r okay so. they're still going to be behind i don't know um ray rabies cast and they're going to be behind racket cannon well why don't you give tom your those call? bands hadn't for, those bands hadn't formed to be fair when <laughs> radio yes exactly and yeah. they were originally called on a Friday. So, you mm. know, improvement on the name there. Yeah, Radiohead. I think so. Mm. Um, anyway, there you go. Thanks very much, Scott, for your contribution to the podcast. And I hope this has gone some way to making you feel like you haven't pissed away a load of money. Um, <laughs> it's only a pound. On, on two We've gone twats. on for 70 minutes about this. It's only a pound. Oh, no. It's only a pound. Oh, come on, come on. It's only a pound. Um, but he might have been... Two years, that could be £24 if he's been doing it since we started. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Mm. Sorry, Scott. Hope this is worth 24 of your English pounds, Scott. We really appreciate it. Go to patreon.com forward slash right podcast to find more stuff that we've done like this. Um, we're going to be doing a couple of these. I think the next couple we've got are Tyler, the Creator and Mary Beats Jane. I think we're going to do after this. Yeah. And there'll also be classic albums aplenty and there'll be the weekly show and loads of other stuff. Uh, anyway, Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you very soon. Cheerio, bye.